0: This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by T. Rowe Price, committed to helping investors close the gap towards reaching their retirement goals. T. Rowe
1: Price, invest with confidence. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. My octopus teacher captures filmmaker and naturalist Craig Foster over the course of a year as he
2: follows a wild common octopus in a South Africa kelp forest. By tracking her movements daily, Foster develops a deeper understanding of the sea creature and her environment and relays the impact of this experience on his life. Directors Pippa Ehrlich and James Reed joined The Post to discuss the film and its Academy Award nomination for Best Documentary Feature. Let's listen. Hello, I'm Anne Hornaday, Chief Film Critic for The Washington Post. Welcome to Washington Post Live. And it's my pleasure to welcome the directors of the Academy Award-nominated documentary feature, My Octopus Teacher, Pippa Ehrlich, and James Reed. Welcome to both of you. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you very much. It's great to see you both. And I believe, Pippa, you're joining us from South Africa, and James is joining us from Bristol, England. So it's a wonderfully global event that we have today. Um, This is an extraordinary story of one man's relationship with an octopus. This is Craig Foster, who we saw in that trailer, who um, embarked on this project involving him diving every day in the water off the back of his home just outside um, Cape Town. Pippa, how did you get involved in this project? So
0: I met Craig through a mutual friend. Um, I was working as a conservation journalist at the time uh, focused on the marine conservation and science and I was very interested in getting to know the kelp forest better and I went for a dive uh, with Craig and our friend Ross and very quickly I just saw that he was seeing things in that environment which I'd been diving in for 10 years at the time but He was picking up signs and finding animals and behaviors that I just never dreamed were possible. Um, And he and I started diving together regularly, and I started working on kind of cold thermogenesis, which is the process of adapting your body to the cold. And about six months into that process, Craig asked me if I wanted to help him make this little film that he had in his mind. And the film would be about this very special experience he'd had with an octopus, and he hadn't told me too much about it, but um, he he sent me a treatment, and I remember sitting at my desk and just bursting into tears because it it resonated with me on on a very deep level. And
2: yeah, that's how I got involved. So my understanding, it sounds like he, was already involved with this octopus um, and and this film really really takes us through the arc of his relationship with which is lasts about a year, which is around the average time that a common octopus lives. Um, and so did he introduce you to the octopus when on that first dive? No, so you were just taking no, so, um, and again, yeah
0: yes it, it, the, the film is essentially an an archive job you know when when James and I came to the project. Um, I came in a little while before him, but we had hard drives and hard drives full of footage that had been recorded during this incredible year that Craig had spent with the octopus, but she died um, long before he even dreamed of of making a film about her. It was a very organic process, um, the making of this film and, and the realizing that it should be a film.
2: Right, and I guess this is where we should uh, make it clear that Craig Foster himself is a documentary filmmaker and he had the foresight and wherewithal to film these days. You know, it's, it's almost like a diary, a visual diary. And he right. took some stunning, stunning underwater photography, which we just saw in that clip. And that is one of the great strengths of this film is just the imagery that he managed to capture. Um, what did I read? 3,000 hours of, of films. <laughs> Material that you had to work with, and then kind of find this story within it. Did you did the um so the octopus narrative and their relationship uh, obviously affected you emotionally? Um, but did you did, had you already um thought of other storylines? I mean, w- w- did you kind of
0: consider well, other
2: storylines? Ab- absolutely, we started
0: much broader. Um, we started with, you know, obviously in many ways this, the story was coming from Craig and so many life experiences that he'd had had informed, you know, even the fact that he was interested in, in pursuing this kind of experience with an octopus and, and this daily immersion in the cult forest. Um, so we started with something much, much bigger, bigger and we cut many, many sequences. That we really liked that were very difficult to let go of but as soon as we started getting into the, the nuts and bolts of the octopus's story that was just so compelling it was just kind of a river that just ran fast and strong um, and, and more and more we, we, we realized that that was where our story was going to go and where it should go.
2: Right. And now, James, I, I want to bring James in and I want to tell our listeners that we we might be experiencing about an eight second delay. So just know that as we as we embark on our conversation with James. But James, am I right, correct that your involvement was really drawing Craig out? Craig was drawing the octopus out, but maybe your job was to because uh, Craig's story is just as germane to this to this film as um, the octopus.
3: I'm so sorry about the eight second delay, you, you, you realise that that's a long time in human communication. Um, so yeah I, I came on late in, in the process and I think that was kind of, uh, it was it was, it was was really interesting for me and I'd never really done that before. Um, I mean usually you're sort of you know you're on, on a film from the start and you, you see it all the way through but this is a really unique opportunity for me. And, and hopefully, it was an interesting collaboration for everybody, because you know, Pepper and, and Craig were were so I- embedded in the story, you know, and and the environment, and their knowledge is, is so intimate of that place and the animal. And you know, they'd they'd been working for for years actually to sort of come to the point where they had they'd sort of reduced this incredible year down into these these amazing sort of story beats and they'd accomplished a great deal um, to tell the story. Um, And I think they sort of reached a point where they knew they were on something so great that it was worth sort of experimenting with with a different way of telling the story perhaps and and a new perspective. And I was very lucky that they contacted me through uh, a company in Bristol called Off The Fence and Ellen Windermuth contacted me and, and sent an email uh, with a, a cut, um, a link to a cut in it. And I just thought oh, I I'll, I'll, I'd, I'd, I'd no prior information about it at all, um, other than it was an interesting story about a man and an octopus. And I clicked on it and thought I'll just give it 10 minutes and, and, and see what this is about. And I was instantly drawn into this um, incredible perspective that, they, that, that Craig had captured himself, but also that, that he and Pipper had put together this amazing sort of sequence of events and, it, and an incredible sort of story around the octopus. Um, but what was you know, clear to me and, and to them, but, but they had a, a different type of experience on it, was that there was a there was another thread to be brought in there and you know i i have some background in in making lots of interview driven films and i i also have you know i came into it completely fresh so i didn't know the story, so I hadn't lived it for the last few years like they had. So I had a, a lot of new questions and, and natural sort of curiosity for it. And we thought, you know, here's a here's a great opportunity to sort of combine this sort of intimate knowledge and experience with, with a with a sort of a new way of exploring the story and asking about it. So I had a quick Skype call with Craig to, to check. You know, we just wanted to check that he was okay with the idea. And then uh, we didn't really talk much more about it because I then went to South Africa um and met with Pippa and Craig personally and we spent three days interviewing Craig at his kitchen table and Pippa and I talked a lot about sort of different places we could interview him and ultimately we decided on the place he was most comfortable which is where he drinks tea and looks out on the ocean and we were going to spend a lot of time there so we we bedded down and, and we just um, we took it slowly and we just asked him about every detail of how he came to this story and, and, and how it impacted him and, and how, how, it all, how the whole relationship developed and, and built. And, and it took about three days and we were all exhausted afterwards. But in the end, we'd got this sort of really unique and, and authentic perspective on, on his own story. And, and, you know, he'd been distanced from it for long enough that having a stranger come in and sort of ask him those sorts of details, he was able to sort of transport himself back to those moments and sort of re- relive them as if they were fresh and and it was fantastic. And, you know, I mean, I think it we, yeah, it, it was just a really interesting sort of combination of experiences that we all sort of brought to it. and. Um, and yeah the film sort of took on a a new form and Pippa and I went back to Bristol and sort of reshaped the film around that conversation.
2: That's just a wonderful tutorial in documentary process right and how (laughs) important it is to bring those fresh eyes in at the crucial moment to kind of bring everything together. Pippa one of the most um revelatory things about this film are the revelations you know and what Craig was learning about the common octopus and behavior and um, biology. Um, and, you know, I think you, I'm sure scientists knew a lot about cephalopods and, and their ability to learn, and they are brilliant, brilliant creatures. Um, but but were, you, were you surprised by, I mean, do you remember any particular revelations you came across in the course of your, your work on this? I mean, I was
0: astounded. I was astounded regularly I mean, going through those rushes the very first time. The things that you see, um, you know, when she wraps herself up like a transformer to protect herself from the sharks with a, an armor of um, shells and stones. Uh, the fact that the octopus was clever enough to realize that if she got onto the back of the shark away from its its teeth and its head, she'd be safe there. Uh, knowing to wrap herself up in a basket of kelp, learning throughout time how to hunt crustaceans, you know, and that the way that you hunt a crab is different from the way that you hunt a lobster. Um, Even the fact that every single octopus has a different personality and, and, you know, Craig, this wasn't the friendliest octopus Craig had ever met, but she was the most kind of intriguing for him. I think it was astounding, and some things we knew already. But what's quite amazing about this little octopus is she's lived in the kelp forest for millions of years. So the particular strategies that she has in her life, um, you know, and they say an octopus's main driving forces are curiosity and fear. But this particular kelp forest octopus has developed these strategies because of where she lives. And, And that I think was different for octopus science in general. I don't think this particular octopus has ever been looked at this closely and in fact we worked with a number of experts including uh, Professor Jennifer Mather who's a cephalopod expert in Canada. Um, she's actually she's known as an octopus psychologist because she studies cephalopods and she studies human psychology and she came out to South Africa and she watched every scene of the film with us and and you know, we, we, it was always Craig's interpretation, that's how the story is told, but she definitely gave us all the insight that she could into kind of what the octopus was thinking at different phases in her development and this idea that that an octopus can do geometry because it has to drill in a very very specific place on the shell otherwise it doesn't uh, get the animal where it needs to. These would, kinds of insights that that we couldn't have worked out by ourselves and it was amazing we had a number of scientists including uh, Dr. Janis Lanshoff who's our scientific advisor at the Sea Change project. Um, he, him and Craig worked together for a very long time to figure all of these things out.
2: You know this is the perfect time to show a clip illustrating this brilliance in action. This is um, a real scene of discovery. Let's, let's watch.
1: And I remember there was this strange shape to my left and just going down and seeing this really strange thing. And then suddenly, at the time, I didn't know I'd witnessed something extraordinary come in at the end of a whole drama you think what on earth is this animal doing
2: that never gets old um also p.s i'm never eating calamari again i don't know about all of you but um have these strategies been documented before pippa do you know by, by human beings? I mean, I
0: don't think they've ever been filmed in the wild. Um, you know, and, and uh, the kelp forest is a very understudied area. One thing, the, the sh- octopus riding on the shark's back, I've seen that uh, it, on images of dolphins, for example. So I think that is definitely known to science. All over the world, octopuses have figured out that if you're dealing with a predator, get onto the back of the head and get away with the teeth, teeth and hold on as tightly as you can. Um, but much of, I mean, I, I would say most of of what you see in this film has certainly never been captured on
2: camera before,
0: in terms of octopus behavior.
2: Have so, ha, now, I want you to tell us a little bit about the Sea Change project, and that might that, and then there might be a part B to that question, which is, is this work ongoing? Is Craig still filming the kelp forest? Are you still going to look at? Tell us a little bit about the ongoing work.
0: So the Sea Change Project is a local conservation organization based in Cape Town, South Africa. And we're dedicated to telling stories that, one, connect human beings to the natural world, but two, uh, showcase and promote the protection of the Great African Sea Forest, which is this amazing kelp forest at the foot of Africa. What's amazing uh, and unknown about kelp forests is that they cover 25% of our global coastlines, but they're hardly ever talked about. They're unlike a coral reef or a Serengeti or an Amazon, it's not an iconic wilderness that people immediately recognize uh, when they hear the word kelp forest. And they're very, very vulnerable. As climate change becomes more and more of a problem in our oceans, which it is at a rapid rate, kelp forests are disappearing. Um, in Tasmania and in California, almost entire forests have disappeared over just a number of years. So. That's really what we're trying to do: is 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 showcase kelp forests, raise awareness about them, and garner a kind of foundation of global support for these incredibly magical underwater forests because they're very important. They are major uh, carbon sequesterers. They contain innumerable life forms. So in terms of biodiversity, they're one of the most biodiverse ecosystems on our planet, which is very very critical. If you look at you know the crisis that we're facing today, the COVID pandemic, that's a direct result of
2: disappearing biodiversity. So there's another moment I'd like to share with our viewers, which is one of the most touching, literally touching moments in the film. And it's when Craig first makes physical contact with this octopus that starts to play such an important role in his life. Let's watch this.
1: She'd see a big movement and she'd be slightly afraid and then look, oh, it's him. And she'd come out and be very curious. very interested, very curious, but not taking stupid chances. Keeping all the other arms attached to the den and the suckers in place. And then it just happens. I put my hand out a tiny bit something happens when that animal makes contact.
2: So that moment, it's it's very emotional. It's a beautiful moment on so many levels, but it also raises some interesting questions about just the whole um, how much projection that we are doing as viewers and maybe you as filmmakers were allowing yourselves to do in terms of imparting motivation and. Emotion to this animal can did you did you talk these things through and maybe I'll direct this to both Pippa and then James after uh, after a suitable delay, but Pippa did you, did this come up at all? And how did you how did you walk through those questions? I mean
0: absolutely every minute of the process uh, we were Discussing it with one another and it was just a conversation that was going on between our whole team uh, Especially James and I but certainly Craig and I and 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 the greater production team um, You know and there are all sorts of questions that that you could ask but There's no doubt that the octopus was curious about Craig that he rec- That she recognized him as an individual <laughs> and that she got used to the fact that he was coming back every single day Um you could ask questions like, well, you know, did, did she allow him to watch her hunt because she felt safe when he was around, because he'd never threatened her before and, and, and he was a big reassuring presence. I think that's very possible. But yeah, James, what do you think?
3: I think, um I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting question, like like Pippa says, we, we, told is a strong word, but we, it was a topic of debate for us all the time, or, or a consideration with everything that we, we included in the film. I mean, I think the the beauty um, of having Craig tell his own story means that it's, it's entirely from his perspective. It's his interpretation of that relationship. And there are things that he recorded. That you can see and are very clearly happening. That that you you can't really doubt his interpretation about some bits, but but others are are based on his interpretation. How he what he felt was happening, and I think that we you know that that wasn't the reason for doing Craig's personal testimony and making it entirely in his own words. It's, but, you know, we would have had an additional challenge if we'd been writing a script that was describing what had happened and, and sort of putting our own views as as filmmakers on it. Then I think we would have had a, a sort of a much more difficult uh, set of choices to make because it would have been us making these interpretations and it might have sort of confused the viewer. Is this sort of, are, th- are these facts I'm being told or, and I think that you know, Craig is, without doubt, a, a man great experience and and sensitivity certainly. Um, but they are all his interpretations. Um, so I th- I hope that that's kind of clear in the film. We're confident about those interpretations, but it is it's about his relationship and how he felt about it. And he is the one telling that story. And we don't get the octopus's side of the story other than the behaviour that she exhibits and, and the interactions that we can see on screen. So we, we thought that was a great, uh, something beautiful about the film. It, it did leave quite a lot open to interpretation. And sometimes we, we used Craig's interpretations and at other times we didn't say a lot and we let the footage sort of speak for itself and we left it open. And I think probably people will interpret those things in different ways. But I know, and Pippa will talk more about this, but things that we were a bit sort of concerned about or, or thought we should give some extra attention to how they are interpreted and whether we include Craig's interpretation or not. Um, I mean, Pippa had a, a long standing relationship with a number of octopus scientists that she could check things from. So so everything in, in the film, we are confident is is, you know a, is a reasonable interpretation of that behavior as far as you can know about any individual octopus at any time but we do wonder about her motivations because Craig did and and so and the audience will and and should but hopefully we don't sort of we're not too conclusive about exactly what she may be thinking or it doesn't come across like that because You know, these are, it's how Craig felt about it. And that felt like the most important thing.
2: Well, that sounds fair. I want to get to at least one audience. Obviously this movie is inspiring lots of audience questions and I want to get to one from Patrick Markey in Germany. He has, he asks, did the filming team join Craig in the water every day? And did you give the octopus a name? (laughs) This kind of loops back to the anthropomorphizing question.
0: Um, we we didn't join Craig in the water at all with the octopus. Uh, certainly not James and I but Craig's very good friend uh, Roger Harrocks who he's been making films with for years um, is a top top underwater cameraman and Roger lives just up the road and when these incredible things started happening with the octopus Craig kind of gave Roger a call and said you, you need to come and meet this octopus, and you need to see what she's doing because I've never seen anything like it. And and we should see what we can capture. So, there were times when when Roger and Craig were filming together, but for the most part, it was Craig on his own, um, and he didn't name the octopus. Uh, and and the reason for that is partly, you know, as filmmakers, we knew we were in a dangerous world of anthropomorphism, and we wanted to minimise that where we could. Um, And secondly, she is a a wild creature and we wanted to give her the space to be herself as an octopus as much as we could.
2: Yes, Um, we have time for one more question. This is from Tanya Kruger from Florida. And she wants to know how has the climate crisis impacted the welfare of octopuses in the area where the film was made?
0: Um, I, I don't know if the climate crisis has impacted octopuses too, too much and I think what we're lucky with with, with our particular kelp forest is that it's, at this point it seems quite resilient to climate change and, and our water is not warming up at, a, at too drastic a rate. Um, so octopuses are doing fairly well here. Uh, there is a, an octopus fishery which, which we're aware of um, but of course in other parts of the world, when, when the kelp forest disappears and the habitat disappears all of the other species start to disappear as well and that means that octopuses don't have places to hide and they have nothing to eat, so everything is, is deeply connected and interdependent.
2: Well, that's another connection that you make beautifully in this film. I mean, it's not it's even though the octopus is definitely the star, but you you really the the images of all the other creatures in that delicate balance in that ecosystem, um, they're beautifully evoked. We don't have any time left. I want to thank both of you. I especially want to thank James and your patience, and I'm sorry we weren't able to get to you more because of the delay, but we're so happy that you could join us here today. Congratulations on your nomination. I'm sure that's a thrill for both of you. Um, thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us at Washington Post thank Live. You. Please. Thank you.
1: Please.
2: Um, please join me again tomorrow at 3 p.m. for a discussion about another Academy Award nominated documentary, Crip Camp, A Disability Revolution. And I'll be speaking with the directors Nicole Noonan and Jim LeBret. Once again, I'm Ann Hornaday, and thanks for watching Washington Post Live.
3: Tune in to the 93rd Oscars Live, Sunday, April 25th, 2021, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on ABC.
1: Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.